Hello, Pesto Posse. Welcome to episode eight of Pesto Pete's podcast. I'm your host, Pesto Pete, coming live, or not so live, from the Man Cave. And we are officially in the Man Cave in central Massachusetts. And I've got the pleasure and the honor of having my one of my two guests back. And Thirsty Mofo is here. Hey, Pete. How are you? Good, Thirsty. I love your hat. <laughs> Thanks, Pete. Yeah, we've got matching hats tonight. Great great hats we got from Mandy. Mandy at Simplot sent us the Boom Roasted hats, which uh, you can see on our um, on our Instagram page when we when we uh, post a picture after tonight's episode. So thanks, Mandy. Thank you, Mandy. Love my new lid. <laughs> <laughs> so as you know, I always like to start off my podcast with recognizing my my sponsor, Quiet Cat, and I'm actually hosting uh, tonight with a quiet cat koozie and thirsty can tell me uh, tell everybody hmm. that i am officially wearing uh, wearing a quiet cat koozie on my beer right now it's very handsome camo it is i like it and it, it's a cool logo and it's awesome product as everybody's heard um, over the past seven podcasts quiet cat their e-bikes which is uh, an abbreviation for electric bikes that's the new that's the new lingo but they're all terrain all electric really tricked out uh, bikes great accessories Check them out on quietcat.com, and if you do, and if you're interested in purchasing one, you put in the code PO, like post office, the number 20 and the percent symbol, and you get 20% off, and that's a pretty significant amount of money, and we're, we're uh, very appreciative of that to get some, some interest in that. Also, follow them, follow them on Instagram. They've got a, a lot of great posts. They've got uh, folks who purchase their bikes that are posting pictures daily. And there's some really good photos from backcountry. And, and these are bikes that when you get out in the backcountry, you don't want to make a whole lot of noise. You don't want to make a whole lot of uh, disturbance to the, uh, the ecostructure. And you're driving down these trails and they've got nice, soft, um, wide, but soft tires that aren't digging ruts in the earth like the old days of mountain biking. So check them out online, quietcat.com, and uh, let them know that Pesto Pete sent you there. 20% off Pesto Pete. That's not bad, right? That's good. Yeah, that's, that's good. good. I'm Maybe not strong in math, but that's good. That's good. <laughs> we didn't expect that from a from a public school kid from New Hampshire. But uh, so I've got I've got Thirsty Mofo here. It's uh, episode eight. We're trying to bust through that 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 little barricade of uh, double digits, and we're getting there. And uh, we've had some great responses. We've had some uh, follow ups on email and so forth. Um, again, follow me at Pesto Pete's Podcast at gmail.com. Send in questions, anything you'd like to say. Also, follow me on Instagram. Again, this is not a money-making endeavor. Um, it's a popular popularity endeavor. So when I lose followers, it, it gets very disturbing. But I gain them back, it seems, Charlie. I thought you know, I was getting paid for this. You are. Oh, I hope beer. you appreciate the beer you drink. Beer. Okay. And the burger you just ate. And oh, yeah. The, yeah. So don't, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Thanks to but. my sponsor, Bubba Burger. <laughs> no, we can't say that. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, oh, yeah. Beef uh, burger. Beef burger. <laughs> and, uh, oh, maybe they'll, maybe they'll die. Echelope. Aight. Aight. There you go. So, so um, you know, we, we I want Charlie back, Thirsty Mofo. Um, and I must mention, too, that one of his offspring, Charlie's got... Uh, twins and uh, his son Jack is here, and he's witnessing a, a podcast for the first time in in person. Jack, you can shout out and just say hello. You don't have to. Come you you can yell it from there. Yeah, we, we, yell, you, know, you can yell from there. What's going on, Pesto P podcast listeners? That mm. would be the Pesto Posse, Jack the Posse. Yeah, because I have to. I, you know, you play the whole. <laughs> That's right. You play that the millennial role <laughs> with that. But uh, 
So thank you, Jack. Good to have you here. And if you have anything to, to say, you. just remember, you know, find yourself to the mic, and, and you're, we're more than welcome to listen to what you say. And uh, we're recording, so it's all in record. So don't say anything stupid, right? Huh? No. <laughs> <laughs> so I seem to always say something stupid when I'm here, people. Yeah, the first one was a little stupid, but yeah. you're getting better. Yeah. You know, it's stressful. Yeah. This isn't easy. I do, do my best. Well, the first one was a retake. I did the yeah. whole thing and realized that someone never pushed the button to record it. And uh, so the redo uh, came later in the night. And uh, yeah, it was more beer involved than, yeah, than, I, than I thought. And it was getting late. Well, it was that conundrum. Do we do it now or do we wait till tomorrow? <laughs> and we, you know what? We, hey, we, we're professionals. We, right, we, <laughs> <laughs> we broke a leg. <laughs> no, but it's all good. So we're going to talk some fishing and some hunting. And That's what I'm more, hoping. More a little bit of fishing. And, and, you know, we don't, again, we don't script. But we do have bullet points, and there's things we want to talk about. And, um, you know, and Thirsty, I don't want to, like, disparage you at all, but you don't do a whole lot of fishing, but you've done some really interesting fishing in li- in your life. I right? have. And we've done some recently with Quab, and we've talked all about that. We won't re- we won't rehash that because we've had some great times. Yeah, that we've our three followers we- don't want to hear that. Right, all those. <laughs> Sorry, I'm kidding. They don't want to disparage you. Jeez, break my heart. So, so there's more than three. Ten-ish. Okay. But no, it's better than that. So anyway, um, you know, I've I've never been much of a big game fisherman. I just haven't had that opportunity. I've fished some in, in South Florida. Been out on some boats for sailfish and in, uh, you know, Marlin potentially. But... But you you've had some big big uh, big game fishing experience starting early on. If, yes, right. Yeah, when I was about uh, oh, 12, 13, 14, my parents had a timeshare down in uh, Acapulco, Mexico, and uh, so that was always a dream of mine to go out sail fishing. That's all I ever wanted to do. When my dad and I went out, and uh, we had a fantastic day. Crazy boat called La Perla. La Perla. La Perla. The Perla. A wooden boat. <laughs> it was about 24 feet long that looked about as seaworthy as a launch hair. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, so we jump on La Perla and, uh, the captain is uh, showing us the ropes and, um, uh, uh, they had a, a wooden lawn chair nailed to the deck. Oh, like a captain's chair kind of, yeah. but made out of wood. Yeah. yeah. It, it wasn't a captain's chair. It was a, a lawn chair uh, from his front yard <laughs> that he had nailed to the deck of the boat. It was hilarious. And, uh, so we headed out and, uh, about every... 20 minutes or so, the engine would go, and someone would jump down in there, and someone would yell, the lay, the lay, and someone would jump down there with a big can of oil and start pouring oh, oil in there. Oh, so we God. felt like we were never going to get back to, to shore. It was crazy. And uh, so we talked about this before, that the crazy thing was that for teaser, they had an old school glass Coke bottle that they had capped off with something. And tied a rope around it and threw it out behind the boat. So Why that not? was out there floating and, and wiggling back and forth. And sure enough, it attracted the fish. And uh, it also attracted a whale. Really? Yeah. So uh, we had, uh, at one point, a whale came up under the boat. And, you know, we never thought about this being dangerous or anything. Right, no, you wouldn't. But, but... Uh, as a young kid, and we just looked over like, oh, my God, there's a whale there. And uh, turns out the whale had bitten... Uh, had bitten the uh, end of the Coke bottle. It actually went after it 
and uh, and bit it off. It was quite crazy. Really? No. Yeah. So so that 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 brings up a good point. So when you need something, you make it happen. And uh, when you you know, like I would again, I'm, this isn't self promotion, uh, but when I was in Bermuda, we um, Brian and I went down to the dock, and Brian had a, uh, a spinning rod, and I had my fly rod, and we walked up to the the public dock. And sorry about this little distraction, but I needed it to be a little higher, <laughs> and I was trying to hand signal Jack to grab me my stool. So um, thank you, Jack. Thank you, Jack. So we uh, we um, talked to this woman at the end of the dock and said, "Hey, you know, really like to uh, fish here. Are you okay with that?" And she said, "Well, I'm expecting friends." So we said, "Oh, we'll go with you know to the other dock, which." wasn't fly fishing compatible. So Brian started spin fishing and, and I said, you know, he just spin fish. I'll just hang on. I don't care. I was drinking a, I was drinking a dark and stormy. I didn't really care much. And then I started looking around and I started grabbing stuff. I found a, originally a, a piece of wire, like heavy wire, like something you might attach a fence, like a, a hurricane fence or. A, so like heavier than a coat hanger. Oh, much, much heavier. Oh, yeah. 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 Three or four gauges bigger than that. And I found a, a strip of, of mono that was three feet long and then two feet long and then two and a half feet. And I tied them all together. Then I found a little treble hook. And we had squid because we didn't know what we were going to do. And then next thing you know, I'm, I'm fishing with a piece of wire and catching squid. Uh, excuse me, using squid to catch bait fish for Brian to use his live bait. And eventually I found a piece of PVC tube and attached my line to that. And I was catching left and right. And then our live well was like a takeout spaghetti container that I filled with water <laughs> and threw the fish into. So it's it's just like we did when we were kids. And this, check out my Instagram page, Pesto Pete's Podcast. And I um, there's a video of me doing that. And it was just the improvisation, like when you were in Mexico and they used a Coke bottle. Because guess what? They didn't have a teaser. They didn't have a, these, these uh, you know, high um, new plastic things with fins and wings that go different depths and things like that. And you were successful, right? Yeah. You guys yeah, caught. They, they, they got, did you catch sails? Did you catch sailfish? Yeah, we caught a very nice sailfish. Uh, uh, catch and release, pulled it in. You know, back in the 70s, uh, you know, they were all about keeping it and mounting it and everything. And my dad was like, no, 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 we, you know, we don't want to do that. So threw it back, which was awesome. Give somebody else a chance to catch it another day. And a whale, a whale bite. A whale bite. Teaser. whale bite. And, uh, That's so cool. Yeah. Pretty awesome when you're looking under the boat and you're probably in, I don't know, three, four hundred feet of water, and all of a sudden it looks like uh, uh, you're running aground, <laughs> <laughs> running in barnacle back. But yeah, so that's uh, that's when I got hooked on it. You know, going, uh, you know, to for big game saltwater fishing and having the thrill of a lifetime as a 13 year old kid catching a <clears throat> sailfish, and it was uh, it was a heck of a fight. It was uh, a lot of fun to pull that. Oh out. yeah. Yeah, no, that's no question about it. You know, you talk about you talk about Mexico and sail fishing and keeping the fish and everything else. And I'll never forget. Um, I don't know what maybe ten years ago, Woody was down in uh, on a on a trip down in Mexico, and uh, they were catching blackfin tuna. And he called me and said, "Hey, I know Margie, his wife, was coming to our house for girls' book club or girls' night or something." And he was coming back from Mexico. He said, yeah, I'm not going to make it there, but I'm going to send Margie with some, some tuna. I said, oh, please. <clears throat> Excuse me. So 
Aji shows up and I called Dave to say thanks. And he goes, you're not going to believe what I went through for that. And I said, what happened? He said, well, I missed my flight because they got into a bite and they didn't want to leave. And they, you know, kept fishing and then uh, caught a bunch of blackfin. And blackfins, I don't know. I, again, I'm not well-versed in tuna species. 24, 25 pounds, maybe a big football. So the, the mate was slicing sashimi off the freshly caught tuna. And they're all slugging it down. They had, from what I remember, they had um, wasabi. They had soy sauce. So they were doing it right. And unbeknownst to them, the mate was using the bait knife oh, to oh slice the tuna. Ugh. So Dave finally gets a flight back and gets on the plane. And they're, you know, taxing out of them off the runway. <laughs> and the gurgling starts. Oh, boy. Sir, and, we cannot taxi if you're in the bathroom. <laughs> right. So he couldn't be in the bathroom. And he spent a flight coming back with Montezuma's Revenge, or whatever they call Ooh. it. Brutal. Just brutal. Mm. I mean, granted, uh, you know, suffice it to say, I didn't, uh, I didn't uh, eat that fish raw. That was all cooked on the grill, which is fine for blackfin. With good old Tanner dog sitting next to me after my former dog, you know, getting the scraps. But uh, but can you imagine the how long? I mean, I've been seasick a lot, and it's a lonely feeling. Can you imagine the loneliness of being on an airplane when you've got to be in the bathroom every thirty seconds? I mean, I, I don't know how bad that can be. But but anyway, so you did your sailfish thing. You you've done some other trips, which I'm envious about. One of them was Walker's K. Yes, Walker's K. Yeah. Uh... And skip ahead though quickly because talking about Montezuma's revenge. When uh, <laughs> I took a trip when I lived in, uh, I, I lived. I guess I still lived up here, and uh, I met with the guys down in Miami, and we we went out of Fort Lauderdale and flew over to. Uh, um, uh, we flew down to Costa Rica, and uh, of course that was the same. I situation. think Montezuma was from Costa Rica. Wasn't yeah, he? I think he was because he spoke to me that week. <laughs> Spoke to many of us. And again, you know, you don't eat the, the, you don't drink the water. You know, you stick to the beer. Right. The Imperial stuff. Imperial. Imperial. And uh, you stick to that and, uh, you know, you only drink a lot of water, of course. And, and so uh, it was so bad that uh, the the mate, the culprit, again, he was uh, cutting the fruit, which had been washed in local water. And he was cutting it with a dirty knife, unbeknownst oh. to us. And sure enough problems started to happen. And, really? Uh, so, uh, you know, the great thing about Costa Rica is they don't, uh, they don't really concern themselves with doctors. They, they, that's the, the doctor is the middleman. They cut off the doctor and it's like, okay, it's between you and the pharmacist. Okay. Cause right. he's, who needs a doctor to write a prescription? You just go right to the pharmacist. Right. And, and you're, you're, I think your diagnosis is pretty simple. <laughs> well, the diagnosis in the English translation, according to Raul was, uh, Hey, I've got this crazy gringo in my van, and he's shitting all over himself. <laughs> we need your help. <laughs> and he looks out the out of the pharmacy at me and sees how pathetic, what a pathetic oh, gringo I was. You were pale and pasty, I'm sure. Oh, he took pity on me. Oh. And, and so he said, uh, okay, Montezuma's revenge. See, see. He said, uh... How long are you in the in the Costa Rica? And I said uh, two more days. And he goes okay. 
So he gives me just enough drugs to get me back right, yeah. to the United States. Over our wool. And Good for him. Literally, I remember uh, going to walk on the plane oh. and the metal detector back in those days uh, set off because I had the aluminum foil packet mm. of the uh, white pills, the right. Montezuma's Revenge pills in my Whatever pocket. And, were. and I got stopped and frisked for that. And then... Uh, Dude, don't take those away from me. That's going to be one ugly flight. <laughs> take the aluminum foil. Don't take the white pills. <laughs> Leave the pills for the uh, crazy gringo. So is that the same trip that you guys or your buddy had that issue? We did. We did. So that was a great trip. Um, that was Costa Rica. We were... So it was you, Vince. Uh, and if you don't want to mention names, that's fine too. But yeah. So you and you and a bunch, Vince and a bunch of his buddies. Yeah. Yep. And describe... Those guys, because so, it, it plays into this. Yeah, so Vince is my uh, college roommate, uh, best man at my wedding. That's just one of the greatest Great dudes guy. you'll ever meet. I like, I like and um, so Vince is, uh, he is um, Cuban, Cuban America, born in Cuba. And um, his parents came over when he was about a year old and yep. immigrated to the U.S. in the early 60s. So, uh, you know, living in Miami, all those guys are bilingual. So there were five. And they've got the, they, they look... The part. I mean, they've got Cuban Cuban heritage. They look South American. Yeah, somewhat, you know. Yeah, yeah, somewhat. No, you know what I mean. Yeah. Much more than we do. Right. So, anyway. um, That's Luca barking in the background. Just ignore that. Mommy just got home. (laughs) Don't worry about that. So, anyway, we, uh, it was the five, um, you know, bilingual Cubans and the token gringo going down to (laughs) Miami, going down to Costa Rica. And, uh, so we fly into San Jose, the state capital, and um, we headed down to the Pacific side. And you have two choices. You can either drive or you can take uh, a little, basically a little Cessna or something that they yeah, they fly, treat yeah. they treat those like taxis. Right. Like in Alaska, kind of, right? Everything's done by air. Right? Yeah. The only difference is that there's no FAA there. Mm. Right. So there's no FAA, uh, which is bad. Yeah, that's in. Uh, there's no control towers. <laughs> and uh, so uh, my buddy Frank, that was there, he said, uh, "Listen, we we cannot fly. We cannot fly." And uh, it's a four hour drive through the rainforest. And he's like, "I don't care. You cannot fly." But that would have been. I mean, driving through the rainforest. I mean, oh, it was very cool. Right, the flora and fauna, and just the, the adventure of that. And these, it's trips like that where, yeah, the success rate. Hopefully it's going to be great, but the adventure level, you're in a place you've never been, with people you've never seen, with jungle, and I mean, oh, yeah, that's going to be crazy. It was pretty crazy. I bet. Um, so the reason you don't fly there is because what the deal is, these farmers are using their little Cessnas and whatnot for crop dusting oh, yeah. and getting paid for that and doing that. Then they drop their crop dusting gear at the farm. And they fly up to San Jose Airport and pick people up and take them down to the coast. And like Uber. Yeah, exactly. It was just like Uber. but <laughs> Only it was a long time ago. Only there's no FAA. There's no maintenance being done on these planes. And Frank had had a horrifying story where he refused to fly with his wife because he didn't want to orphan his kids. So they would fly in separate Separately. planes. Yeah. And they were on the tarmac getting ready to taxi over, to, you know, one at a time, these little Cessna's taxiing over. And all of a sudden, all of the, all of oh, the sorry, microphone issue. engine oil starts peeing out of the 
plane that his wife is in, Ooh. and they're looking across the tarmac at this. And he's looking at and doesn't know if they notice it or not. Right, exactly. Oh. So, so they're screaming at each other in Spanish, and you know, of course, you know, that that escalates in a hurry. Oh yeah. But yeah. anyway, so Frank's like, "Listen, we we're gonna drive." So the drive was quite an adventure. It was very cool, and we went over a bridge that was wooden slats. And about every third one was missing. Ooh. And literally, you could look straight down into a river. How far down? It was pretty far. I mean, not like you're on the Bourne Bridge. 700 feet? Yeah. What is the Bourne Bridge? I don't know. Okay, folks, for those of you who don't know, we, we have two bridges that go from the mainland to Cape Cod. The, the Bourne Bridge and the Sagamo Bridge. And they're identical bridges. They're about eight miles apart on the canal. Which was cool when I was flying to Bermuda. I, I went over the canal and could see them both. Oh, cool. They look so close, but they're eight. I mean, I'm at, you know, I'm approaching probably twenty thousand feet at that point. But to be able to see them on the canal was super cool. But um, they're probably, I mean, judging by when you drive a car over, they've got to be a couple hundred feet. Yeah, they're very high. I, I always get a little bit of an anxiety oh, yeah, attack no, when I go over them. Yeah, because they're they were built, built in fifty. No, I think in fifty three. 52, 53, maybe 30s. We'll look that up for 50, a future yeah. podcast. But so, so you're looking down. So compared to like the Bourne Bridge, what, what half, would you say? Half of that. But so, so 100 feet, man. Yeah, yeah, 100 feet. So we're driving over. Which is and, a lot of feet. And you're, you know, every third slat's missing. So you're like panicking and you're, you know, the, the car is bumping and you're like accelerating to make sure that you don't oh. break through. And, and we're looking down into this river. And there's all these kids on the one side, like on a beach, swimming in the river. And they're having a great time. Really? And we look over to the other side, and there's crocodiles in the water. It was crazy. I think, how, how, they, how wide was the river? <laughs> it's about the same as the, the canal. The canal yeah. So, 100 yards? Yeah. yeah it was, so these kids are frolicking around right. while, while you know, bloodthirsty reptiles are... Are lounging on the other shore. I know it was pretty crazy. Wow. You know, just like uh, we got the sharks here, Cape Cod yeah, Bay. Yeah, it's getting. And these kids are swimming with gators. It's getting or crazy. crocodiles or whatever they were. They were. Uh, it was cool. So anyway, well, we're not we, swimming with them because they won't let us. We get down to um, to our hotel at night, and it's a um, it's a very cool place, and it's built right on the edge of a tropical rainforest. And the first thing you notice is there's no glass in the windows. Everything's just screened. Oh yeah. It's um, year-round. It's a, The temperature year-round is like 75. Doesn't so change, yeah. Doesn't change at all. You're so close to the equator, it doesn't change. Right. So um, I get this weird feeling like someone's watching me as I'm taking a shower. And I look over my shoulder <laughs> and there's... Don't a, flatter yourself. <laughs> no, 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 no. I felt bad for the poor gecko that happened to be up in the corner of the shower. There was this huge... Hey, hey, suffice it to say, their eyes are much bigger than they should be, right? So they look, they look a little odd. But. <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that. But yeah. anyway, so uh, the funniest thing, though, was uh, we are, uh, so we, uh, we crash. And um, um, first thing in the morning, like 5 a.m., sun's coming up. And uh, we hear what sounds like someone out on our patio of our hotel room. And... Uh, so I wake Vince up and I'm like, dude, somebody's out on the patio. And I rip open the the curtains and there is a, like a four foot tall howler monkey <laughs> <laughs> on the deck eating something. And I'm like, holy. <laughs> you can say shit. <laughs> I totally 
Holy guacamole. So <laughs> anyway, pretty crazy place. So, uh, but yeah, the monkeys are all over the place there. And That's people cool. feed them. It's a rainforest. Them. Yeah. Right? I mean, you get what you get. Everybody feeds the monkeys at like four o'clock. Right. The monkeys are like programmed. They oh, just yeah. flood down. The trees all start shaking. All these monkeys have come down. And people are feeding them out of their hands. That's so cool. And I am like, no way. If that thing accidentally bites me, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're in a Costa Rican hospital. Yeah. No thanks. Like, I don't need to lose my hand because of that. So Right. Anyway, so we go out. Let me, let me interject, yeah. though, on the monkey thing. So recently, going through Instagram, following it as I do, and hoping to get followers and to be a follower... And there's a lot of good stuff on there. I mean, it's really, really um, content-driven if you want it to be content-driven. And I go through one the other day, and I I can't remember the name, and I I didn't like it. I didn't like the photo because um, it's a guy with a baboon, Hmm. you know, and I think he killed it with a crossbow. And I'm like, I don't know that I could do that. Yeah, yeah, they're so human-like. Right? It's like, like, I mean, there's probably more humans I'd rather do that to than a monkey. (laughs) That's true. But I, and then, and it's, and again, I'll mention Stephen Ronella because he's my podcast and TV idol. But he did that. He was in, and he'll admit to it, he was in, uh, uh, I forget where, in South America in some village. And he, he lived with them for a few weeks. And. Had a great experience, a lot of bow fishing and some really interesting stuff and some interesting hunting. But they ended up killing a monkey, and, and the monkey was the prized meal for this village. And he ate primate and admits it was like the weirdest thing he's eaten. Coyotes, eat. he, I don't think there's anything he hasn't eaten, but he said that was that was the weirdest thing because it was really close to home. And I get that. You yeah. know, when you when you singeing the hair off a monkey over an open fire and then Suddenly it's, and they, you know, it, it's, it's a, a, a skinless or hairless human looking thing. And he also mentions about bear. And I, I know that bears are very human-like in their physique. Right. When you skin a bear and you're hanging them up, I mean, it's a big human, but it still looks like a human. They've got shoulders like us that roll, not like a, a stiff ungulate, like a deer or an elk. They're very, you know, you, know, you kill a, uh, excuse me, you kill a bear and getting down a mountain is tricky because they roll. They're very, very loose, not like a stiff animal, like a, like I said, a deer or a moose or something like that. But, but I, I couldn't imagine like even putting the crosshairs on a baboon. Yeah, that to me would just be too weird. So, yeah. So you're in Costa Rica. In Costa you guys Rica. go fishing, and you do a bunch of fishing. Yes. Catching. Uh, marlin. Oh, white marlin. White marlin, yeah. And uh, sailfish. And um, big mahi-mahi. Big mahi-mahi. Oh, yeah. Big ones. Not like uh, Miami. Uh, no. Huge. Bulls. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's... My buddy Craig used to do a uh, trip down to Mexico. They'd, they'd golf like three days and fish three days. And he sends a picture to me one day and he's like, look at this. And he's holding a mahi by the gills that they kept and they brought to the restaurant and cooked. And I'm at a loss, but I think it was 68 pounds. Yeah. And I said, dude, the record's like 74 for that region. Yeah. And he's like, huh? Yeah. I want to say the one I caught was between 50 and 60 pounds. Yeah. It was huge. And and uh, there was a, uh, a restaurant right there where we stayed. And uh, their motto was, you hook them, we cook them. <laughs> cool. So they were all about enticing you to bring in whatever you caught. And uh, we ate that mahi-mahi for 
at least two or three meals. Oh, I bet. And uh, we were just at the point where we're like telling the chef, you know, just sell it, give it right, to other people. That, yeah. We were we it. were buying uh, people, and and they prepared it six or seven different ways: mahi mahi fritters and Oof. blackened, and and the, the they did a fabulous job with that, and charge you, you know, uh, ten thousand rubles or, and uh, their, their their currency was colognes. Right. And uh, and it was like ten thousand. Of them was probably three dollars. <laughs> so, <laughs> there a lot of millionaires down there. <laughs> I know. So thank God we had two accountants sitting at the table trying to figure out the bill. We we like, fished in uh, Port Charlotte one year, and Brian and I flew down, and we met Dave and, and Pete Harper, and Woody and Pete Harper, and uh, we had Pete Harper's boat down there. And I might have told this story. It's hard to remember, and it's going to get even harder when I get into my hundredth episode, but. <laughs> I hope I don't repeat myself too much, but, um, so we get on and it's off season, which is like late June. We're in this condo development and we get a trade with Dave's company, you know, and great. This condo was sick, like 15 foot ceilings. They were all like that. There were 300 of them. Wow. They were all like that. And we all had our own rooms and it was cool. And then at night we'd go down and they had a little putting green by the pool. We would sit in the putting green, swim in the pool and, you know, put golf balls and stuff. And, We'd look up and there'd be three lights on in the whole place. And one was ours. There were only two other occupied while we were there. But we'd come back from a day of fishing and it was a kind of a crappy fishing thing. We had a Hurricane Barry came in and or a uh, tropical storm Barry, which caused a storm surge and everything. We we still get out, but it wasn't it wasn't productive. But every night I'd make dinner. And, you know, we'd do a couple of rum and cokes, sitting around by the uh, sitting around by, you know, cleaning the boat, sitting around by the pool, and I'd go out and get some food. And one night I go out and I said, I'm going to do clams and mahi. So I get these down there, the clams up here. Like we just did some at Mike's this weekend. You know, these, you saw those things. They're like. Cohogs. Co- but they were, co- they what were, were they? true cohogs. No, the cherry stones. Oh. Okay. But they're still, a cohog's probably seven inches across. Oh. These are like two and a half. And you, folks, do yourself a favor. If you're ever in New England, get cherry stones, put them on the grill. They pop themselves open with the steam. You flip them over, put some garlic butter with some Tabasco sauce in them, let them boil a little bit, and you'll never eat a clam like that again. So anyway, I go down to the grocery store, and a little bit of a a rum buzz on. So you give me a couple dozen of those little clams, and down there, they're small. They are the size of a half dollar, but they're delicious. Get a half a dozen, uh, two dozen of those. And I said, I need some mahi. And the guy says, well, we got this right here. I go, yeah, that looks good. And he goes, how much you want? I go, all of it. <laughs> Charlie, the thing was like, I don't know, three feet by two feet. I come back to the house with this bag over my shoulder. It looked like I had a body in it, you know. So we uh, we did a we did a great dinner of these little. I forget what they call them. And someone can reach out to me on Instagram or on uh, on my email. Tell me what they were. I I can't remember. I'll think of it before we're done. But we had a feast that night, and that mahi. Mm. And that was fresh mahi. That came yeah. that came straight from the water. It was delicious, but probably nothing like your mahi. Um, who knows? But but you guys fished a lot. Then did a little bit of hanging out. Did some hanging. Did some uh, bit of extracurricular activity. What you got to do? Which um, so uh, Pete's favorite story of my Costa Rica trip is uh, we come back and one of the guys uh, his name's Raul. He's from Caracas, Venezuela. And uh, anybody that knows Venezuela, a lot of crime in Venezuela. Uh, so uh, Raul is very street savvy. 
and he um, he goes out to this nightclub, and we said, Raul, we're all leaving. You have to leave with us now. He's like, no, 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 I'll be fine. I'll be fine. So when you know it, we all leave. Uh, didn't want to leave him alone, but he insisted, and he said he was fine. When you know it, he gets mugged on the way back to the hotel from uh, from uh, from this nightclub or wherever he was. Wasn't he being a gentleman and he walked some women back to their hotel so they wouldn't walk back alone? That's how I remember it. Yeah. yeah I, I think he was like, oh, I don't want you girls walking alone. I'll walk you to your hotel. He wasn't being a sleazebag. Right. He was walking them back to, you know, escort them to their hotel. Right. And then when he was then walking he from, walks back. from their hotel right. to our hotel, he gets jumped. And uh, this kid pulls a knife on him and says to him in Spanish, give me your wallet. So, of course, Raul, being from Caracas, Venezuela, and living in Miami and being 100% bilingual, he says to the kid in perfect English, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> what do you want? And the kid says, uh, in Spanish, give me your wallet, give me your wallet. Oh, dinero, dinero, right? And dinero. he's waving this knife at and, and Raul, and he's not even... Uh, not even phased by it. And he keeps telling the guy, hey, I don't speak Spanish, man. I don't know what you're talking about. And the kid finally gets flustered and just drops his hands and gives up. Well, doesn't, and Raul, I'm not, not um, Raul. Raul, yeah. Reaches into his pocket to make like he's going to grab his wallet. Yes, and uh, and so then he uh, comes out and punches this kid in the face. Oh, God. <laughs> and the kid drops the knife, and then Raul picks the knife up and chases him down the street, <laughs> screaming at him in Spanish, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to cut you, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to cut you. And the kid, must his mind must have been so blown that oh, here, my this, God, two right? seconds ago, this guy didn't speak Spanish. Turned it around. And now he's perfectly fluent. <laughs> How long did it take him to calm down? Oh. He got back to your hotel. Wasn't he like, no? No, no. Oh, I thought uh, I remember like he uh, was so jittery that he couldn't. Oh, God, no. no. This was like a walk of the park for Raul. <laughs> that was every day on the way to school. Oh, yeah, he didn't even say anything to us. And then the next morning at breakfast, we're like, hey, how was it last night? And he goes, oh, yeah, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> <laughs> dun, so, dun, dun. Yeah, so funny stuff. But, yeah, we had a great fishing trip in Costa Rica and uh, got really lucky. A lot of great fish, calm water. That's what um, I need. Just, uh, just a perfect day. You could see the sailfish coming up to the surface and sticking oh, their sail that. out. Yeah, and they just cruise. They, they just, just cruise and they along cruise the looking surface. for bait. That's so cool. Yeah. And, I've uh, never witnessed it personally, but I, I've seen it in video. Yeah, I've yeah. seen that in person, and it's just a, a thrill of a lifetime. Yeah, conversely, we were out last weekend at my brother-in-law's boat off Gloucester, Massachusetts, and the day before, Friday, was glass calm. Hmm. And he was alone. Well, he was alone. He was with his wife. No fishermen with him. And they went out and they fished a little bit. Nothing. They didn't. They didn't produce. But um, which was cool. It was a great day. Then they docked and enjoyed the evening. The next day we show up and we pull out of his slip. We're going down the river to get to the ocean. And he goes, "Ooh, a little windy." We get out to the break and it was a washing machine out there. Oh. But there were sixty boats out in one spot. So we ran out to that. There were there were pogies everywhere. And then, folks, pogies are a six to ten inch bait fish that stripers, stripe bass love. Tuna love them too. So we start foul hooking and hooking pogies, <laughs> which was a fight in itself. I mean, he's a pretty good sized fish on a light spinning rod. Yeah, when you hook them on the side, in the side, in the butt, belly, <laughs> in the tail, in the tail. 
And we're looking around us and people are pulling in keepers and a keeper is 28 inches. Stripers. They, striper. Yeah. And stripe, they, stripe bass. Stripe bass. They're, they're, pulling in, they're pulling in 28 plus. I mean, these, wow. are, these are hogs, right? These things are coming in and uh, cows or hogs, however you want to refer to them. But, and it got to the point where we got, we were fishing the bait and it got to the point where it wasn't worth it. The boat was lurching. I mean, we weren't on rollers. We were on lurching boat. Yeah. He's yeah. got a 26-foot Gulfstream. It's a nice boat. Big old Grady, heavy. But that thing was getting thrown around like a rag doll. And finally, I just said, you know what? I can't even, I can't be a good mate. I can't be a good fisherman. We need to, we need to find somewhere flat because this is bogus. So we ended up bagging out of that. And unfortunately, and that's just, hey, that's the way it is. You know, you just, yeah. you hope for that perfect day like you had, uh, you know, down in Costa Rica, but, but, you know, and I've, I've always dreamt of the, of the calm seas of, of Walker's K mm. and Walker's K was a big target of mine back in the day when Flip Pallet used to, used to do his Walker's K chronicles. And, and, uh, you know, he's a, he's, a, I have his signature right there up on that. See Flip Pallet. There it is. Yep. And what does that say at the top? Striper Fest 1996. Uh, it does. That's going to be a future episode, by the way, folks. Six, seven, nine, six. We've talked about it. It's coming up soon. But Flip Pallet signed that at the um, in Marlboro at the uh, at the fly fishing um, exposition they used to have. I, I I brought that, and he happened to be there, and he signed it. But um, he did the Walker's K Chronicles, which is a really good. Um, I don't know if you remember it, but it was a you know TV show. He was a guy, kind of. He was as is intriguing as Jose Wahebe used to be on Spanish Fly. I loved Jose Wahebe and the things he did. He was an honest fisherman, lost his life in his own plane that he built. Wow. He flipped it over. Boy, that must be 10 years ago now. And we'll, we'll, we'll fact check that. But, um, but Flip Pallet's still going at it. And uh, so 